You are Locked On Boston College, your daily podcast on the Boston College Eagles, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is Locked On Boston College. I am your host, AJ Black, editor and publisher of BC Bulletin. We have a jam-packed episode today with so much to talk to. I can't wait to get into this. Um, But before we do, I want to challenge you, the listener. If this is something that you've been starting to kind of get into and you've liked our Locked On shows, we have daily Boston College podcasts. We get into everything Boston College. So what I want you to do is after you're done with listening to this episode, if you haven't done so already, go back and try some of our older episodes. We had five from this week. We talked about recruiting. We talked about Jeff Halfley. We talked about Jim Christian on the hot seat. It's all stuff that's timely. So check them out. If you haven't listened to them already, they're worth a listen to. So what are we going to get into today? Well, we're going to talk about the bowl situation. Big, big news today. We're going to talk about recruiting in the transfer portal. There was a name finally that's dropped that could be a potential target for Boston College in the transfer portal that you guys are going to want to know about. And we're going to preview the Saturday game against Syracuse in basketball. Usually we start this off with some like news tidbits and talking about, you know, offers that are going out in recruiting or, you know, some just little things that are interesting about Boston College sports that maybe don't take up a whole segment. But I want to jump right into the Bulls situation because this is the biggest news of the year for Boston, not biggest, of the football season, I think, for Boston College. If you missed it, Boston College football opted out of the bowl season this year. Um, And this was a choice made by players. I think that's really important for people to understand. This was not adults telling them they can't play. We found out today during the press conference that the leadership group, which was a player from each positional group that's part of a council that works with Jeff Halfley, made the decision as a group that they did not want to go to a bowl game. Instead, they would rather go home for the holidays. Now, for fans, this is kind of bittersweet because you see what they earned. They earned a bowl game, and, and for a lot of fans, that's a big you know, culminating moment of a season. However, I think we have to take a step back here and look at what this team has done, and not just on the football field. This is not about passing and improvement on defense. I'm talking what they were able to do to get the season to even happen. Look around the college football milieu right now, And you see Ohio State, they can't even get four games in. You have the SEC with teams canceling. You have the ACC with, you know, Florida State basically just, you know, mailing it in for the rest of the year. And then you have the gold standard. You have Boston College, a team that had zero positive cases on campus. They had one kid at the very, very beginning, and that was it. That is all, this is not just done by magic. This is done by hard work and sacrifice by the coaching staff, by the players, by everyone involved in that program. They gave up so much so that they could get that season to go. And they and what they did was they were successful. You can hear it when the players talk about it. It, it must have been a lonely life for them the last couple of months. They only saw their teammates. They never got to see their family, their friends. They missed out on anything that was going on on campus in terms of just even you know doing anything. You know, kids are going to be kids and they're going to go see each other. They didn't do that, and the the COVID testing panned that out. They you know they talked about it today. 
that when, uh, you know, most of these games, the family couldn't even come to them. So, you know, they're playing at an empty stadium at Alumni Stadium. And these players, they could get hurt. Their parents aren't there to comfort them afterwards or say hi to them after they have a big win. It's an empty feeling, and it must have been so lonely for them. But they, you know, to their credit, these players trucked through, and they did everything they could to make sure the season was successful. And that, I think, is a big hat tip. So what did Jeff Halfley do? After they sacrificed all for, for six months, they never saw another person other than their teammates he gave them the option. He said, "We can go to a bowl game, or I, you know, we can. You guys can have the next couple months. You can have like the next month off and go home and see your families." Now, I want you to think about that. If you were in their shoes, if you hadn't seen your mom in six months and you're 19, 20 years old, you haven't seen your sisters or your brothers. All you've seen is the lineman that stands next to you and your roommate in college. What would you choose? It doesn't seem like a tough decision at all. And the players, it sounds like it was pretty much unanimous that they all chose that they wanted to go home. And that's that's the, that's a great end to this story. You know, they these kids that did everything that they had to do this year to win on and off the fields are going to get a reward that they deserve. They're going to have a holiday and Christmas with their parents and loved ones at home. And they deserve that. And I'm so happy for them. Um, because this this is what they this is better than any Gasparilla Bowl or any you know mid tier bowl because what what's that gonna mean the op the option for that is they could go down there and they could go prepare and and sacrifice more and more and more and what happens you know they play some team and they get popped and there's no bowl game so they just gave up you know Christmas and that whole break and they don't get anything out of it. And you could say that, well, that couldn't, you don't know if that's going to happen. Look what's happened in the last two bowl games. Max Richardson talked about it today. He doesn't forget that. He remembers the bowl game against Boise State, the, uh, the first responder bowl that was canceled because of Thunder. And then last year where they had to wait hours because of Thunder. You know, do they want to risk, you know, playing in front of no one at a lower tier ACC bowl? Do, realistically, do you really care? I don't. I cover this team, and I think the players are doing the in the coaching staff made hundred percent made the right choice by deciding to let these kids go home. And I am so happy for them because these kids earned it. And for people that are are ripping on them for this, I don't know what to say to you. I'm I'm gonna be nice about it, but just you know, get some get some perspective on what's really important in life at this point. We have a pandemic going on in this world. We're, we just topped 250,000 deaths in this country, and we're worried about a bowl game. Let this fa- let these kids go home and see their families and and be proud of what they did. You know, six wins, they played every game. You know, every game was exciting for the most part. And they're healthy, and they're going to have to, you know, they'll get ready for the next season. And And that's the other piece, too. Like, this isn't like they're going home for two months. They're back next month to get ready for the spring. This grind is going to start again in a couple weeks. Can you imagine, like, okay, first of all, it's hard to imagine that they they were basically, you know, on a house arrest for six months. And then they get, like, two weeks, and then they're back on house arrest for another two months. So this they needed this break. 
And it, it, this is perfect time because they're going to be doing it all over again in the spring. So as Halfley said, they're tired. They're mentally and physically drained. They, they talked about that. And you could tell it. I mean, ha- Jeff, Jeff Halfley, you know, he looks tired. <laughs> and he should be. He talked about having to constantly check the COVID testing. And he was, you know, you know how like sometimes we rapid refresh. He was doing that with his phone. He admitted to that. So to the players and coaching staff, you know, just as a journalist, thank you for a good season and enjoy your holiday. You earned it. Let's change gears here for a moment because we need to talk about Coors Light. Now, we're always on and going, going, going. You know, we're just talking about BC football being on. But let's talk about what, uh, you know, us, the listeners, are about uh, when we're on. We have work, family, friends, a million things going on. That's when we need to hit reset. And when we need to hit reset, we reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Now, this is a Friday night, and there's still sports going on. You know, Boston College bat football is done, but there's a million other games this weekend. Hopefully they don't get canceled. But when you turn on a game, you need to grab an ice-cold Coors Light, because that's what I do. So just flip through the channels, find whatever you want, whether it's an ACC game or an SEC game, and crack open a Coors Light. Cold Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here. Next week is National Signing Day for Boston College. Never ends for some coaches. You know, Jeff Halfley just finished all this, and now he's got to get into, you know, signing all these players. We've got some special treats coming up for National Signing Day, including uh, John Garcia from Sports Illustrated is going to join us to talk about Boston College's class, and hopefully we have some more guests that we're trying to line up. So you're not going to want to miss that. And on Friday, as I keep on talking about, Next week, we're going to have our Christmas special, which is a lot of holiday-themed segments on Boston College sports. So make sure that you are liked and subscribed to uh, Locked On Boston College wherever you get your podcasts so you do not miss these episodes. All right, so we're going a little out of order because I had to talk about the news uh, of the bowl first. Let's get into some of the other news tidbits. In the third segment, we're going to talk to uh, Locked On Syracuse about uh, this weekend's game. So you're not going to want to miss that. So, first of all, Boston College landed a commitment today, like right before the bowl news happened. So it was like crazy, just busy, you know. Uh, you know, I'm waiting to hear what's going on because we hear that there's a press conference going on. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, Jeff Halfley's tweeting that they got a recruit. That's cool. And then we find out Jalen Blackwell is a name uh, that BC fans probably aren't very much aware of. In recruiting circles, he's not a big name either. Uh, from Georgia, he's a safety Six uh, two, good size. Uh, watching his film, you can see that he's a he's a big kid and he's got that build of a of a big physical safety. So he's exciting to watch. Um, he's a three star by most um, recruiting services, and uh, he ha- he was originally committed to Arkansas State. So he's a kid. You know, you're gonna see this this the names of the the programs that offered him and be like, oh, why is Boston College this is a typical Boston College kid, but. I want you to, again, when you're thinking about the recruiting for this year, just remember that some of the things that usually would get bigger programs' attentions, the camps, 
are not there. So these kids are not getting t- tape out to uh, to bigger programs, and so smaller programs are going to just take risks off of you know sophomore and junior tapes. Um, so this is a kid I heard from some sources at BC that you know they're surprised that no bigger programs offered him. He's a really under the radar kid, but a kid that could be really exciting. You know he's got that big long frame that Halfley likes in his secondary, so he adds to what has already become a big it's a huge defensive back crew uh for this class they have i mean listen to who they have already in this class cole batson safety from uh california jalen williams from texas jalen jalen sheiks from new jersey sean gates from ohio clinton burnett jr who's the gem of this class and he's from maryland and sean asbury jr uh sean asbury the second from virginia that's uh seven kind of one two three four step seven Defensive backs, yeah. AJ, get your get your cotton right, uh, just for one class. And you think to yourself, why does Jeff Halfley need seven defensive backs? And he's already got at least one I can think of for next year. Why does he need that many? And you look at the type of defense he's playing, and it makes total sense. So Jeff Halfley ran what's called a four-two-five defense this year. It's four defensive linemen, two linebackers, and five. Uh, defensive backs and some of those defensive backs can vary with you know becoming a linebacker and the, they can be those tweeners that can be a safety or a linebacker gives some flexibility um, at that position so he needs lots of guys you saw so you know you saw what BC's depth looked like this year and you want to add to that because you want to continue to be able to cycle guys in and you'll have guys you know you know like Jamin Muse was a it, you know he had his specific role and you had Brandon Sebastian as you know your your tip and Josh DeBerry as your typical lockdown cornerbacks, and Elijah Elijah Jones. You know he was a nickelback. So you have all these different defensive backs that can have kind of a specialty in their defense, but you also want some versatility. And I think that's what you get a guy like Jalen Blackwell in here, um, and he can add that. So he's the twenty fifth recruit of this class. It's already a huge class, and so you might say, oh, you know NCAA. They have, uh, you know, they're capped at 25. Just like with everything else in NCAA, there's always this, like, gray area when you're talking recruiting, okay? Yes, the cap is 25. But they got they have what's called, you, many of you probably know, called gray shirting, which means that some of these kids, you know, they're signing tomorrow, will be on campus in, like, three weeks. And they're going to be ready to go. You know, they're going to be uh, signed and ready to go pretty early and, and they're going to do all the spring practices and those are the kids like last year it was Andre Hines and Taji Johnson and um, I think it was Kevin Pine were all three of the gray shirts now the good thing about getting a gray shirt is you can like flip it, it, there's some like there's some accounting work that you can do to make it sound like those kids belong to the previous class that should allow you to make your class as big as 30. So Boston College still technically has room for five more recruits. Now you you, you think Drew Kendall, George Rooks are two that they're looking at. I, I keep saying this, and it's not to be provocative, but there probably is going to be a recruit that no one is looking for. Jalen Blackwell is not a surprise. I, I remember his name as someone they offered, and someone you know, and I, I remember him decommitting from Arkansas State. But there's going to be other players. Just watch. You know, you'll have like some sort of Clinton Burton Jr. or something like that that just comes out of left field. So I wouldn't be surprised. It, they they may not. But with Halfley, you never you never doubt things. So that was the big piece of news there. 
The other piece of news that was worthy is uh, looking at the transfer portal. Um, now, you know, if you've been following along on uh, BC Bulletin, I've talked a lot about um, that the transfer portal is going to be crazy this year. That there's going to be a lot of names uh, going in, and there are a lot of names, go, you know, leaving Boston College and some coming. And you know, people have asked me like, who's someone that could end up at Boston College? Well, the first name that has popped up as someone that they have actually uh, communicated with, and I've actually I just talked to him today, is Jaden Lars Woodby, who is a safety linebacker hybrid from uh, transferring from Florida State. Now, he is um, about as blue blood as it comes. He's a top 40, I think, recruit. He was a five-star or four or five-star um, who played for FSU for two years um, and then decided he wanted to get out. Now, I talked to him. He is going to be um, a grad student. It, I don't think that's even going to matter next year, but he'll be immediately eligible. And like any transfer, he wants playing time. Now, he plays linebacker safety, so that means he's a speedy, uh, you know, guy with good reflexes that can, you know, be aggressive. Check out my scouting report on BC Bulletin on him. He sounds like he would be the perfect fit for the issues that BC had in that linebacking group. And I'm talking specifically with spying uh, mobile quarterbacks. That was a big issue for them this year. You know, you had Isaiah McDuffie and Max Richardson out there, but none of them, neither of them were quick enough to really get at some of those spat faster quarterba- uh, quarterbacks. Would be, could be. Ooh, that sounded weird. Uh, <laughs> he's a guy that could play there. And when I was talking to John Garcia, who was going to join us next week, and he was telling me that this kid could play everywhere. He can be a safety. He can be a linebacker. He can be a nickel. He can do everything. So you want versatility on this defense? You're going to get it out of this kid. So the question is, how close are they? So here's some information that you might want to know. So Lars Woodby is down to three schools, Texas A&M, Washington, and Boston College. Easy to figure out why he likes all three. He had Notre Dame in, but he knocked them out. Uh, Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher's the coach there. He recruited him to FSU. Um, Washington's closer to home. And would, Lars would be originally committed to Ohio State. So he knows, he talked to me, he knows a lot of the staff there and knows some of the guys that are with Jeff Halfley. So I think Boston College is in really good shape with him. Um, I really wouldn't be surprised if he did. He committed. I would. I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be surprised if he committed to Boston College, um, and he would be a great fit. He'd be a guy that would immediately be one of those like defensive playmakers that they need, um, and really fit a need for this defense. So, um, if you're excited about transfer portals, just definitely read. Uh, John Garcia wrote a pretty good scouting report on him. Go to BC Bulletin and check it out. I'm not going to read it all on the podcast, but um, it's worth it. So you can tell he wants to make his decision by Christmas. Um, so you'll hopefully get your answer soon. I thought when Jeff Halfley did the Eagle thing, some people were asking me like, oh, is it the FSU guy? And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm talking to him on, on my phone right now. It's definitely not him. Um, but he's someone to watch and there's going to be more. The last piece quickly um, in terms of transfers is there's a player out. And I'm going to probably botch his name and I apologize. It's Mike Ciafani. Uh He's a defensive lineman. Um, he's a redshirt sophomore, a redshirt freshman, excuse me, who from Sudbury, Mass., who did not play this year. Uh, he had a sack last year in the uh, Birmingham Bowl against Cincinnati and played in two games, but just did not find the field this year. He's going to enter the transfer portal, and that's fine. My view on the transfer portal with kids is if things are not working, do what makes you happy. 
move on, find your thing. And that's probably what he'll do. And he was a kid that, you know, was under-recruited, only uh, had offers from UMass and Boston College. So maybe he ends up with the Minutemen, maybe he ends up at Fort Collins with Steve Adazio. In just a moment, we're going to talk to Locked On Syracuse about the Orange and BC game and get their perspective. Now let's take a moment to talk about Built Go. Now, if you've listened to this podcast, you know I have a wall, and you know when my wall happens. My wall is around 2 to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. It's when I hit that mental block where things are just not as creative. If you read my writing, you can probably find lots of mistakes, and I just cannot get out of my own way. It's just it's like a fog for me. What I usually do, usually I go to the local coffee shop, get myself a nice coffee, but what that does, it's a fake uh, energy for you. It's only lasts for you know two hours and you're just right back where you were before. But that's when I've learned about Built Go. Built Go is in the same group that brought you the world's fastest protein bar, Built Bar, which is delicious if you heard me talk about those. Now, I want to talk about this because it's so easy to do. It's 1.5 ounces. You can put that in anything you have. You have a backpack, throw it right in there. Throw it in your jacket pocket. Um, it's perfect. Or, you know, you can put it in your shorts. If you're if you're a runner, it's great for that too. It's like a five-hour energy, but without the crash feeling. It's natural, so it's better for your body. And it's like drinking a monster energy, but with a third of the caffeine and better results. So you're not going to get that jittery feeling that you get when you have um, caffeine and, and coffee and monsters. comes in three delicious flavors, peanut butter, honey, chocolate, coconut, and chocolate mint. I'm a big fan of chocolate coconut. I like anything that tastes like an almond joy, and it's like one of my favorite candy bars. So check that one out, okay? How does it work? It's an energy gel with collagen protein. It's fast absorbing. It gets into your system fast, and it's easy on your stomach. It's loaded with the good stuff to ignite your work, such as beta alanine, B3, honey, and, of course, a kick of caffeine. Built Go then keeps me going all day long. It's perfect, and I can't recommend it enough. Now, we have a special offer for you from Locked On. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use promo code LOCKED for 20% off at BuiltGo.com. Let's go. This is Locked On Boston College. AJ Black here with Tim Leonard of Locked On Syracuse. We've talked to Tim before during uh, football season, but now we get to talk to him about basketball. Tables have turned. Last time I was talking to Tim about – football and I was you know feeling for for his Syracuse team that was struggling and now he gets to listen to me uh, struggle about Boston College. Tim how's it going? It's going good I mean it's been I guess an interesting start for both of the teams so far I feel like BC showed some fight they just haven't really had a chance to to beat anyone because their schedule has been so tough. Yeah you know we've talked about it on the podcast they've you know they've also shot themselves in the foot a bunch too you know the talent's definitely there um, and they just haven't been able to put together a complete game. So Syracuse is three and one. They just lost their ACC Big Ten challenge to Rutgers. How is the um, the atmosphere and uh, the the climate around Syracuse basketball this year, Tim? So I would say fans are pretty optimistic. And the Rutgers game was a weird one because they were down Buddy Beheim and Barama Sidibe. Barama Sidibe is going to be out against BC because he's got a torn meniscus and should be out for probably three or four more weeks, I would say. And Buddy was doing the quarantine thing because he was in a contact tracing type of situation, had to sit out the game. So that's two of their starters. And they hung with Rutgers, even though 
it felt like they were kind of shooting themselves in the foot a little bit in, in that game. And Rutgers is a pretty good team on the road. Like no one was really expecting them to, to come out and, and run them out of the gym or something. So I think fans are pretty optimistic. The one weird thing about Syracuse right now is Joe Girard, who by all accounts was supposed to be one of their best players this year, had a pretty solid freshman season, was a double-digit scorer for them, was New York State's all-time leading scorer in high school, comes in with a pretty strong pedigree, and there were high hopes for him to kind of make a sophomore leap. And he's just been in a weird, weird funk shooting the basketball and has not been himself. So outside of him, everyone else is kind of playing good, and it's in this weird spot where fans are kind of turning on Gerard because he has not been the player that he was last year. So let's talk about Buddy Boheim. The last time that we saw BC play Syracuse, it was Boheim and Gerard who lit up the Eagles. Um, and, you know, they were hitting shots from the outside. What makes Buddy Boheim such a, 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 a dangerous player? And, so, you know, he's averaging 21 points a game. What does he bring to this offense that really makes him so explosive? He's always been a great shooter. He's probably one of the best shooters in the country, and his form is just textbook. Like, he can get it off quick. He can come around screens and hit a shot. And then last year, he kind of made the sophomore leap that everyone was hoping Gerard would make. He went from a role player for Syracuse to one of their best players last year, and he really rounded out his game and incorporated some dribble penetration moves and getting to the two-point shot. So he was more than just a shooter last year. He's not like a, a great guy in terms of finishing at the rim that's still probably where he could improve a little bit more Mm -hmm. but it's the shooting and I think that's what was the case against BC last year if you leave him open and he gets going he can make four or five threes and a half and really when he's clicking is one of the best shooters in the country and I I, you know we're talking Boheim here we got to talk about his brother Jimmy have you heard anything is he going to be do you think he's going to end up at Syracuse I, I would say no there hasn't been anything uh, concrete one way or the other and for those that don't know he plays at Cornell and obviously they're not having a season right now so he did enter the transfer portal and then it got some rumors going a little bit around the Syracuse parts but by all accounts he's always kind of wanted to do his own thing and he really liked his time at Cornell and now he's just in this weird limbo period where he's kind of wondering if if he can sort of extend his classes and maybe get one more season next year because the Ivy League sort of all figuring that out but I don't think anyone is – it'd be kind of a surprise to Syracuse fans if he came in second semester. I, I think they could certainly use him, and he's a pretty good player. He was the leading scorer for Cornell last year. So it's kind of an interesting spot because then you'd have two coaches' sons on the team if he came in, and mm-hmm. I think everyone knows he can play a little bit. But there hasn't been any rumblings really. I, I mean, there hasn't been anyone that's come out and shot it down. So I, I guess it's kind of in this period where we don't really know. But – as far as we knew a couple years ago, he had no intentions to transfer to Syracuse. This is Locked On Boston College. A.J. Black here with Tim Leonard. Tim, now one of the big things Boston College has struggled with is giving up easy buckets down, down low. And you have two, go- uh, two, two wings, Alan Griffin and Quincy Garrier, and I'm probably messing his name up, that are averaging 34 points a game. Can you talk a little bit about uh, your two forwards and what they do and what they bring to this offense? Yeah, it's Gary A. So you, you were close. And so, actually, so close. The ESPN announcers call it something different every game. And same with Marek Dolajai. It might be yep. Marek. For, for some reason, Syracuse, they can't figure out their names, any of yep. the announcers. And that's been that way for a while. But Quincy has been really a, a revelation so far this year. He is 
a guy that made the sophomore leap that Gerard is Gerard's regressed from his freshman to sophomore year. It's early. I mean, they've only played four games, but his shot has been ice cold. Quincy has actually incorporated a three point shot into his game, but in terms of finishing at the rim, he's one of the best finishers statistically at the rim. When you look at Kempom, when you look at synergies, that type of stuff, he's really great at finishing at the rim and finishing in post-up moves. And honestly, I bet most Syracuse fans would say they want to see him utilized a little bit more because he was great in the last game against Rutgers and they just started giving him the ball a little bit more in the second half. And he, he played the best game of anyone against Rutgers. He has tons of talent, kind of an NBA body and, was pretty hyped up as a freshman, just didn't really round it all together, struggled in the 2-3 zone, learning the defense. But this year, it seems like he's made a lot of strides. And then Alan Griffin's the transfer from Illinois, who has also had a really nice start to the year. But he's, he's more of a perimeter guy. Quincy is the guy that could hurt you down low. So two more questions to go, Tim. So, and they're kind of related. So for Syracuse to win this game, what do they have to do well? Well, I would say Gerard stepping up would be big because that's, that's the only guy that's been missing so far. They've got a couple of new freshmen that have looked pretty good. Kadari Richmond is one guy that a lot of Syracuse fans, there's tons of buzz around him right now because he's got a lot of length at the top of the 2-3 zone, getting a lot of deflections. He's this freshman that was a pretty solid recruit, but for whatever reason kind of slipped in the rankings a little bit. And even just in training camp, everyone was just, hyping him up and he's panned out so far. He's got really good vision. He's not like a super scorer or anything. He's not going to put up 15, 20 points, but he does a lot of the little things really well. And he's been playing kind of beyond his years so far. So there's this internal debate going on among Syracuse fans. That is who should start Richmond, who is this upstart freshman that is playing well, playing better than expected or Gerard, who by a lot of people's metrics was going to lead the team in scoring going into the year. But now we're four games in and people have kind of jumped ship on him because three of the four games he's played have been really bad offensively. And he has not been able to get by anyone. He's always been a really known for his shooting and the shooting has, has left him. So that's kind of the big thing to watch. It wouldn't shock me if Gerard went off in this game. He's just a streaky guy that is kind of due to find his shot a little bit. Yep. But I think if they get a little bit more out of Gerard, because it's it's big having Beheim back, but basically what happened against Rutgers is they just didn't get enough scoring from the wing position. Quincy had a good game, Marek had a good game down low, and Rutgers was able to beat them with their size a little bit, but the perimeter options just didn't quite live up to what they normally can do. All right. Thank you, Tim Leonard. Uh, you can check out Tim on Locked on Syracuse, uh, where he's talking about the Orange all the time. We, we've chatted with him before. We'll probably chat with him further down the line. Tim, uh, thank you, and we'll talk to you again in the future. All right. Thanks, man. All right. And this is Locked on Boston College. Uh, we will be back on Monday to get ready for our um, – our uh, recruiting week. We're going to talk about uh, National Recruiting Day. We're going to have John Garcia, Director of uh, Recruiting at Sports Illustrated, talking to us about Boston College's class. And on Friday, as I always joke about, we're going to have our Christmas special. So you're going to have to check that out. Um, this is AJ Black. And if you haven't already, make sure you follow and subscribe us on your favorite podcast directory. Take care, everyone. We'll see you again on Monday.